following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Things I would rather be doing than talking about sports on this podcast. Watching Survivor Series 1996 on Fox Sports 1. Yes. I think we could do a really good Mystery Science Theater 3000 type review. If we could somehow set that up. Watching old wrestling events with just the back of our heads as shadows. And just providing off-color comments. There's a way to do that, I know, like on YouTube, where you can put the video on the screen and then show us on the screen mm-hmm. talking about... Like, it's way beyond my capabilities, what? but yeah, that would be interesting. It'd be a lot better than what we got. And Don't get me wrong, you lined up... I mean, all the pertinent topics and all the stuff that is in the news, it's just that none of it's good. It's the most depressing page of notes I've ever written in my life. <laughs> I was sad typing it out today. I was sad. This is the Intentional Foul. Thank you, really, for listening, because this is... uh, I told told Dan, I told you coming over, I said, we're going to try and see whether we can get one or two positive things to talk about out of this whole thing, and it's probably going to be... A push it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there ain't much to get it's get not, excited about. No, so uh, glad that you're here. Uh, I just want to prep you again for for the negativity and the pessimism and this the general malaise. How we talk about these news bits from every other sport because the one positive thing that it seemed like we had going for us, the NBA. Now all of a sudden looks like, well, everybody hold your horses. Nobody cares about hockey. Don't get me wrong, hockey fans. However few of you are out there. All eight of you. Yeah, I mean, and that's great, and it's a niche and a focus sport, and you're pumped for it. They seem to be doing everything right, and they're on board, and they are full go. That's fine. But I'm not sure anybody's still going to watch, just like NASCAR, how desperate people are for sports. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's great that there's one league that's figured it out. Everybody else is pissing and moaning about something. They got too, there's too many people talking right now and bad leadership. Unfortunately, because of some of the things that have happened outside of sports, you know, it's, it's trickled into sports where everybody thinks their voice has weight. And I think in society it does. I'm not sure it does when you're talking about your job and playing in these leagues. And we've just got we've got a lot we got a lot of baseball players tweeting. We got a lot of basketball players having conference calls and the things that are being said right. getting leaked. Um, we've got a lot of people in the NFL talking about some stuff. We've got just nobody offering any solutions, just a lot of talk. And right now, uh, we're not getting anywhere really with any of the big three, unfortunately. I mean, okay, let's start off with the with one at least one good piece of news is that the PGA Tour had a great tournament, and so yeah. far things seem to be on track for them. First five tournaments have no fans. 
Then they're going to play the Memorial in mid-July in Ohio. They're going to have limited. Then they're going to go up to Blaine, Minnesota, and they're going to have no fans. But that's so far that seems to be the recipe, and I don't think that's hurting television ratings at all. I don't know how much it's costing them on the course, like whether the tour itself is making money, but um, I think they've figured out a pretty good recipe to get started again. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was a really good tournament. It was a uh, it was very well played. The the leaderboard was jammed at the yes, top with a bunch of guys that um, most people knew. Especially if you follow golf, like a lot of people might not know who like Daniel Berger is, but you know Shoffley and Spieth and Justin Thomas and you know you had big names at the top, and and obviously that's going to draw eyeballs, especially on the weekend. Um, I thought that the lack of fans was not an issue at all. Um, it it really, you know, as as somebody who golfs a decent amount, it felt like real golf, you know, like um, seeing these guys hit it where nobody's standing and right. it's, you don't have to worry about it bouncing off a guy's back right. and somebody running over and stepping on your ball or whatever. Like, you actually played golf, mm-hmm. and, you know, I tweeted and got some really good responses and likes. Oh. The best part about it was I didn't have to hear some jack-off screaming, get in the hole on Tiger's drive of on a par five. Horrible. It, it, it's, it's awful. It's the dumbest thing in sports. It drives me crazy. And thankfully, we didn't have to listen to any of that shit this weekend. I liked the fact that you could hear a lot of ambient sound from the golfers. There was more conversation. There was more just gnat sound from the stuff. I mean, I like the extended camera angle of the guy and his caddy talking about what's happening and hearing that conversation because the Mike Boom guy was allowed right next to him. Yeah. And then he'd take a couple of steps back when whoever was going to hit got over his ball and pointed that mic right at the ball so you could hear it right. That was cool to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I, I liked that aspect of it. It didn't bother me that there were no fans. No. The, the fans at a golf tournament do nothing for me. No, no. And, and look, I've been to a couple golf tournaments. They're fun as hell to go I'm to. I'm sure. And, you know, they're going to have fans back at some point. This is obviously just temporary. But, you know, if – if we have to do it without fans, I think golf is probably the sport. And I think tennis would be pretty good as probably well. Probably good, too. Um, I don't think you, you're going to miss a lot with the fans because when the actual action is happening, it's supposed to be quiet anyway. Right. So I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good tournament. All right. So they have the top five players again uh, competing in this week. I think it's in Hilton Head, the, the RBC Heritage. Tiger ain't going to play. Didn't play last week. Not mm-hmm. going to play this week. You make anything of that? Do you care? No, I think at this point, Tiger's really only concerned with winning the majors. Um, he wants to catch Jack, and I think he knows that at this point, his body is not going to allow him to play as much as he probably. I'm sure he would like to play more, um, but his injury history, and then you just throw in this every all the shit that's going on with the coronavirus and stuff, and it's just kind of like, well. I'll play the big stuff. I'll play the stuff. You know, if there's tournaments down in Florida, he'll play those because it's close to home. But, yeah, traveling across the country, you know, I mean, you don't know. I don't know what his family situation is with his kids and stuff. And and they, who knows? They put the golfers through the ringer mm-hmm. as far as the testing and making sure everybody's up to speed and all well, that stuff. One thing I actually I did like on the broadcast, they, they had a – they had a thing like when they would go to commercial or whatever where it looked like they just had a mic stand 
out uh, must have been outside the clubhouse. Oh, yeah. And then you had like rotating ro- guys, guys coming, coming through yep. and just saying something yep. and t- you know talk about whatever they want. I thought that was kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like uh, in some of these sports, especially uh, a golf, a tennis, baseball, if they can get their shit together. Like I think the more personality that these players can show can only help their game. And it's in even even as much as um, being able to hear more conversation on the course where you can hear um, some of the things that Mickelson was doing in that uh, tournament with Brady and oh, those yeah. guys where he was talking about lining up putts. Yep. If you heard you know Jordan Spieth and his caddy talking about the slope of the green mm-hmm. and the speed of the green, I think that's kind of interesting. Oh, for sure. And I, I can't remember who was hitting, but I heard one of the caddies is, you know, okay, so that's going to slope down, so you're going to want to hit front side, and wind's going to carry it right, and, so, you know, whoever was yeah, golfing. You know, yesterday, yesterday the pin was in the back right. half of the green. Today it's in the front. we yep. got to do this. And, I think all that stuff is fascinating. And it's funny that somebody was talking about how they hit their iron and which particular one. Okay, my max distance on this is this, so I'm just going to take a little off because I want to get it to the front and have it get back. And, you know, it's a, that kind of stuff is what, you know, normal guys like me that aren't hardcore golfers but can pick up a few things, that's cool. Behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. That's neat to Might me. be something that you try out on a course. Right. You know? No, Exactly. So, PGA Tour off to a great start. We both can agree on that. All right, now... Now let's talk some shit. Let's, <laughs> I was just going to say, let's dive into the shit. Yeah. Um, the NFL is... Uh, for uh, Let's get Kyle Shanahan's big contract mm-hmm. extension out of the way. He got six years, um, and contracts of the NFL are easily ripped up. Yeah. Um, he had three years left on his deal, so now this, I think, takes him through 2025. Something like that. He led the team. He's, uh, for all intents and purposes, good coach. Revived you know? that yeah, franchise for sure, um, and really taken it to another level. It's the defense is phenomenal. The offense is very efficient. Took him to the Super Bowl last year. I don't know whether he's deserving of a six-year contract, but nevertheless, he's got it. Good for him. Yeah, that's, yeah. and that's yeah. really all I. That's that's really about all the football news. That happened in the last yep. week. Not much going on. You've got Roger Goodell now encouraging teams to sign Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. which you said way back in the day, and I remember this because you and I had this conversation, is that you were of the opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree with you, is that ownership and the league basically blackballed this guy and probably went through the circles and said, Nobody better sign this dude. I think that's probably true, yeah. yeah. And now you've got the commissioner of the league, and I don't know whether it's tongue-in-cheek, saying, let's go sign him because you've, you have you had him basically come out and then we mentioned it last week, say kneeling's going to be okay. You've, you've got a coach that says, I'll kneel with my players. So now we're, we're getting this snowball effect of things happening and this is kind of the latest one to to increase the size of that. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't really know what to make of Goodell's statements. Um, you know, if you look around the league, there aren't very many landing spots for Kaepernick. And based on everything we've heard out of Kaepernick 
the last three or four years he when it's money. been it's been an opportunity for yep. him to come back. But he, he wants, wants money. money. Yep. He also thinks he's a starter. starter. So. I just kind of did a brief look around the league in my head today when I was writing this out. I mean, Jacksonville maybe? But if you look around the league as a to compete for a starting spot, where would he go? See, and that's that's Washington. You would need you, know, like, you would need to have an actual quarterback competition you have to have a you have to it's, it would have to be if he wants to if his parameters are if if i'm going to come back and sign i want to be able to compete for the starting job there's probably only three or four teams that would even fit the description in the entire league because you've either got established guys that are stars you've got guys that are making a ton of money or you've got young guys who you're trying to develop Future. and see how they are yes there's really not very many spots in the league that he could realistically go in and compete legitimately when it's not just like, yeah, yeah, you can compete. You can come in and compete with Russell Wilson. You ain't beating out Russell Wilson. No. So, like, you know, can he, could he go in and compete with Gardner Minshew? Does Jacksonville see Gardner Minshew as their franchise guy? Probably not. So can Kaepernick come in and compete with him? Yeah. Could he go to Denver and compete with Drew Locke? Maybe. I think Denver really likes yes. Drew Locke. Um, could he go to Washington and compete with Haskins yes. because that's not Ron Rivera's guy? I think that would be possible. But other than that, Could he I go don't to know. Chicago and compete with Trubisky and Foles? Not that it's going to happen. I don't think so. But before they sign Foles? Before they sign Foles, would yeah. That, that, that would have been, if you want competition for him, there you go. I don't well, know how much of a competition is going to be. And you also got to factor in... Um, the style of play. Well, for sure. You know, he would you you, just throw in him an, into a in set. an ideal world. You he would you would want to see him go to a uh, Ravens, Chiefs, yes. Seahawks type of run run pass option offense where you could use his skills because the guys have played football in three years. Anybody thinks he's just going to show up in the fall and drop back 25, 30 times and be a and top ten quarterback? That ain't going to happen. No, you're you're not going to have him sit back in the pocket. No. So and just and, and just sit there. And it, I mean, if they, if if they want to bring him back, they want to sign him. They want to let people kneel. Whatever, do whatever you want to do. Um, I, I think at this point, I don't know that really anybody's going to have much objection right now, um, just because of the sensitive times that we're in. But um, from a football standpoint, I, I think his options are really limited, man. Yeah, especially when when you consider that he wants money, and I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. going to pay him starting quarterback money to maybe not be a starting quarterback. Well, and you don't know what he's got no. right now. We don't know what he's got left. I mean, I think he's 32. Okay. So, I mean, in theory, you would think, well, he's probably got two to three good years left before you're going to see a decline. But and What are good years? Right. I mean, what does that mean? He, 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 was de- he was declining at the tail end of his yeah. San Francisco days. And it, Did Harbaugh leave when he was at? Was he was in the no. middle of that? Yeah, Harbaugh left, yeah, after I think, the year first, before yeah. he got benched. And then he was pretty down. Because then the, they, they, they went to the Super Bowl, and then the next year I think they were good, and they got beat by the Seahawks. And then the next year they were like eight and eight, and then Harbaugh left, and then the next year he got benched, and that was it. I mean, so his and, and I've seen I've seen competing stats and analysis guys on Twitter talk about whose whose numbers were better than his and whose numbers he had better than, mm-hmm. and 
there's a couple of guys where you could maybe make an argument, but again, those are just numbers. That that doesn't mean you just take one out and plug him in that it's going to work. Well, and it's like if you tell me that let, let's say you he's better than Kirk Cousins. Let's say somebody wants to argue. Hey. Well, maybe, but Kirk Cousins is making 40 million. Guaranteed. He ain't going nowhere. Nope. He's better than Stafford. Whether he's won a playoff game well, or not. Stafford's making $40 million. He ain't going nowhere. No. So, I mean, when you've got situations like that throughout the league, it just it makes it that right. more much much more difficult. All right, so we'll see where or if Kaepernick lands anywhere. And now we've got our next batch of uh, NFL players catching the coronavirus. A couple of Houston Texans, I think, and then a couple of Cowboys including Ezekiel Elliott, who bitched on Twitter that it was a violation of HIPAA law, which doesn't even apply because his agent said something. The medical community is not allowed to release your information. When anybody else does, that's not HIPAA. Right, right. I hope he got that clear, I doubt idiot. That he, I doubt that he did. Probably getting another nose piercing. You, you see the size of his melon. You'd think he'd have an, an ability to absorb that. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, these some of these guys on the Cowboys were the guys that were filmed a couple of weeks ago partying at Dak's house when everybody got pissed at Dak for having people over. So, I, you know, I, I people are getting the coronavirus. It is what it is. Right. I mean, I, you know, unless you're going to live in your house – I don't know how you're going to prevent it. So, um, the weird thing about the NFL, though, there's really been no talk from the league about the virus. Have you kind of, have you noticed that? Like, there hasn't really been anything. And and maybe and I don't really necessarily blame them. I guess because it's only June. Mm-hmm. But we really haven't heard anything about what they're going to do with training camp. We really haven't heard about what they're going to do in terms of fans in the stands. Like, there really hasn't been any decisions made. And like I said, it's only June. So, it's in a way, it is kind of silly to say in June that you can't go to the Packer game in September. Right. Um, but, I don't know, every, every other league can't shut up. And the NFL never says anything. No, not at all. But they've been, they've been preparing mm-hmm. silently, albeit, to start and get going. It's like making people were already talking about decisions on, on school starting after Labor Day. I know. The week after school just ended. I know. Why are you making those? De- no, you can't do that. At least wait a month. Yeah. Month and a half. You don't need to, you don't need to be on that right now. Take a breath. Like that's, that's basically what we're talking about. These decisions don't need to be made right this second. No, they don't. Um, And silver for his part, before this whole bubble thing started, and we'll get to the NBA in a bit, he was one of those guys who said, "We don't need to. We don't need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. We can wait. We can afford to wait. It's fine. Whatever." And until all of this stuff came up, that seemed to be the right course of action. Yeah, it, I mean, it really did. Now you get to baseball, huh. which is just the biggest fucking disaster in sports that I have ever seen between players and owners in league, and. I did a little reading up on Rob Manfred today, who's probably public enemy number one. I would say right now in the entire sports world. Yeah, he's uh, he's up there. I mean, he, I don't know who. I mean, I think yeah, I think he's taking Goodell's spot. Right, and I think for people that question who who was a better commissioner, I mean, Gary Bettman for the NHL, albeit not a not a hugely popular organization when you compare it to football, baseball, and basketball. But people thought Bettman was a clod. Yes. 
Yes, big time. He probably called Manfred and sent, or sent him some flowers to say thanks. Yeah. You've taken all the spotlight off me. I'm looking good compared to Rob Manfred. But dude was a lawyer. I mean, he's a lawyer. He negotiated on behalf of the league for collective bargaining agreements on behalf of owners. They elected him. This is not the player's friend at all. You can't, and to me, I guess, you need somebody who has not necessarily experience at both sides, but at least understands both sides. Because right now, he doesn't understand the player's perspective at all. Well, the, I mean, you can go back. They had a work stoppage in the 70s. They had one in the 80s. They had the strike in the 90s where they lost the World Series. We almost had one in, I think, 02 or 04, and we're, we're having this issue now. So... The adversarial relationship between players and owners in baseball is it's really woven into the fabric of the game. Mm-hmm. So um, Bud Selig was able to navigate pretty successfully the last 15-plus years of his reign um, of keeping the peace for the most part. Manford, I mean, I don't know... This has been a really, really bad year for all the commissioners. I mean, Goodell is, has always got to play to shit on his desk in that league. You just do, because that league is all about off-field drama. So he's always got that to deal with. But you never hear from him. No, you don't. Either. But he's still got a lot to yes. deal with. You look at Adam Silver, he completely botched the China situation this fall. Right. We went over that. Completely botched that. And now you've got Rob Manford, who is who had an opportunity to unite a league at a time when the country was hurting and needed something. And baseball purists still believe that this is America's pastime just because of the history of the game. And you blew it because your your job is to bring the two sides together, and you were incapable of doing it. You've lied. You've talked out of both sides of your mouth. And look, I get... You know, one of the things that I think the general fan forgets sometimes is, yes, the commissioners are, quote-unquote, they run the league. They work at the pleasure of the owners Correct. of the teams in the league. Those are who you those elect are, you. Those are, he answers to them. Yes. They can vote him out just Correct. as well as they voted him in. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep that in mind, too. Yep. Rob Manford's done a shitty job, but if he had 30 owners telling him, Get this shit done, it would be getting done. There's people, I think they said you have to have like eight owners have to vote to cancel the season or something like that. Really? Or, or to push it back, something like that. Well, obviously that's happening. There are owners that are okay, we talked about it last week, with not playing. And the problem that I have, and it keeps being said by that side, is how much money they're going to lose. Ryan Rosillo. I don't know if you like him or you don't like him, but I think he's a pretty smart broadcaster. I was listening to his podcast the other day, and he made a great point. He said, why do owners in professional sports believe they're entitled to make a profit? Why? Businesses have bad years all the time. Businesses across this country in 2020 are having a bad year. But you know what the good businesses are doing? They're taking care of their employees. They're, they're working with them to find some kind of a common ground where, look, we know uh, at, at a restaurant we can't have the full uh, capacity that we normally have. So instead of having eight waiters, we're only going to have four waiters. But we're not going to just fire four people. 
we're going to take care of everybody and people are going to have to maybe work a little bit less so we can incorporate all eight people. Baseball seems completely unwilling to do that because the owners are just looking at the bottom line. And the players are also looking at their own bottom line and going on social media and complaining and complaining and playing the victim all the time where it's like, hey, you guys are in this too, though. You guys are unwilling to compromise on your side just as much as the owners. And that's why, I mean, you and I have talked a couple of times about not necessarily being in the owner or not necessarily being in the player's camp and and saying that they share some of the blame in this. And I've seen nothing short of the majority of people going to bat for the players. But every contract's offer counterproposal that I've seen, Players don't budge from what they have outside the number of games. They want full prorated salaries. They say that they that's what they were promised in the March agreement, and that's fine. That doesn't mean that things can change, that, 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 that can't change. That doesn't mean you can't say, well, we're in a different time now. But that's the funny thing is they say that, that that's what they were promised in March or whatever, and the owners say no. Well, where's the document that you agreed on? Can we can we see it? Can we have a neutral party to decipher this this obviously this Greek freaking thing that none of you idiots can decipher? Like, why does one guy read it one way and one guy read it the other way? That shouldn't be how contracts work. And why when when owners say, "Well, we're going to lose X amount of money," the players say, "No, you're not." Well, who's right? Right. How do the players know that? And are the owners ever going to open their books? No, and no. I mean. It, Nobody knows. Yeah. It's just just lobbing accusations at either side without any factual basis and then hoping something sticks to a fan base and they say, I'm on that side. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it's, all that it is right now. And it's changed in our lifetime because when we were kids, I think especially the media was very, very pro-owner as opposed to pro-player. Um you know, because like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like Ryan Braun and Kristen Yelich are Brewers today, but they're not going to be forever. Ryan Braun's going to retire. Yelich uh, could get traded. You know, shit happens. Um, but the Brewers are going to be in Milwaukee. Even Atanasio might not be the owner anymore, but the Brewers are going to be in Milwaukee. So as a Brewer fan... I kind of have my heart with the Brewers. Not necessarily Atanasio, but the Brewers because they're my team and they're not going anywhere. That's why I never get attached to players. It's tough, right? Especially as you get older. I want the success of the franchise. If it's at the expense of a player or ownership change or whatever, okay. I just want what's best for the team. Mm -hmm. I want to see my team succeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it boils down to, you know. And and if you if you owners, if you billionaire, multi, if you're not billionaire, multi, 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 multi millionaire owners, lose some money this year. Sorry, that's a great point. That's by kind it. of the cost of doing business, man. It's a great point by Rosillo. It is. Why do you feel entitled to be in the black when most companies in America are not? What makes you different? Go talk to any small business owner. Most of those guys don't make no money. They'd probably look at you and say, fuck you. I'm fighting for every exactly. damn dollar that I'm trying to get here. Exactly. And I'm trying to keep people from having their houses foreclosed on. Yeah. You know, you guys are worried about somebody else that can buy their fourth home or buy their spouse or their kid a new car. But when you got the other side in the players 
just basically standing there with their arms folded, and every time you hand them something, they're going, nope, that's nope, a, that's right. nope, they, they just, nope, nope, yep. Like, nope. what is that doing? That Nothing. You're not negotiating no, that no, at you're that not. point. You're, you're you, not. you basically, it's like a ransom. Here's, yeah. here's our demands. If you don't meet our demands, we ain't playing. And I think we're in a really dangerous spot in sports right now in these leagues um, with the, the coronavirus, with the social issues, with the Black Lives Matter stuff going on, and with you have the two leagues in the MLB and the NBA who at the same time are having their collective bargaining agreements expire. The next 12 to 18 months in professional sports are going to be very interesting, and I think we're in for some very, very big changes going forward in, in these leagues. Well, you, you said it when you and I were texting this afternoon, is that there's is there a point now where there's just too much money tied up here and, and too much money involved? That it's just it's gotten... You know, it's one of those, well, this is too big to fail. Is it? Nothing is. Is it? Rome Rome fell. But, you know, it's like when Mike Trout makes $30 million and the guy that plays second for him is making two, that's a lot of money, man. Like, I, I don't care. I know Mike Trout's better. He might, and I know he's probably, in terms of what he brings into the franchise, is probably $28 million better. But what the market says he's worth. I don't know. Like, that would be hard to go to work if you made, you know, uh, $20 an hour and Beggs made $90 an hour. (laughs) And you're doing the same job, you're working the same hours. Busting ass same. Busting ass the same, but he's making 70 bucks an hour more than you. And then he's the one that's saying, yeah, I just don't think it's safe. I think we should close the radio station. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I need the money. I got to work, man. I got bills to pay. And, I mean, some of these NBA guys, and like we might as well just get into it now, like a lot of these NBA guys, because they come from such – poor backgrounds, you know, if a guy's making three or four million bucks, he's taking care of a lot. Him, yep. his parents. wife or girlfriend, his children, his parents, his aunts and uncles, his brothers and sisters, grandma, his grandma and grandpa. grandpas. Like, there's a lot of people that are depending on him. And if you're going to not play and get no money, I mean, the old the old sales saying is half a sandwich is better than no sandwich. Um, you're looking at half a sandwich and throwing it in the garbage. Um, that's that's going to be a tough one to swallow for about half your league. I can tell you that when the recession happened, we uh, one of the previous companies I worked for they they did that. They were like, well, we're not we're not taking a sandwich then. We'll just have no sandwich. I don't want that half. Which wasn't the right no. business model at the no. time, but no, you're absolutely right. I also can't wait to tell Begs that he's getting a raise to you should an you should sport. tell him on me. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right and. So now you've got this, you've got this plan. Everything has seemed to shape up, and everybody has seemed to be in agreement. And there's a couple of outliers that don't like the bubble setup and have the questions about. And it's all fair. Well, it's right. all fair. You're allowed to shoot holes in it yep. once it comes out. That's yep. that's what people are supposed to find solutions to these problems or answer questions. That's that's exactly what it's about. But. I'm not sure that they expected such a small faction of players 
to carry such a large voice that people are now actually worried that this whole thing might get held up because of this. Because it ain't it's not the majority. No. By no means. No. And, so, and it's not even people who would would likely still be at Disney cuz I'm I mean I read the timeline of how many teams are going to be gone in like the first 30 days or mm-hmm, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Half. over 3 right. Yeah. Everybody's going to be gone. But yet you've got this small group that says, "Well, we need to step back and look at it." And it's like, "Well, if you run the numbers, I don't think it's as big a deal as what you're talking about." But this seems to be gaining some traction. Yeah, the bu- the bubble part, the the questions about the bubble, I I get because there's some there's some weird stuff. It's like they want the NBA players to to stay in a bubble, but the Disney workers don't. Right. So the Disney workers can come and go from the park and expose themselves to whatever they want. But but the NBA players can't leave. They're also the NBA players are going to get tested every day. The Disney workers are not. So there's been some questioning about that. Um, I think that I think they're going to end up finding a way to allow these players to bring family. I think that's really a big sticking point with these guys. Some of these guys got really young kids. Um, I mean, you look at a guy like Giannis. He's got like a couple month old little boy, mm-hmm. and you know, if if this all goes off without a hitch, he could legitimately be down in Disney from the middle of July until the middle of October mm-hmm. and not see his kid. That's 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 asking a lot. So I think they need to come up with some way to do that. I heard the WNBA they their plan came out twenty two games. They're going to play down at I down like in the IMG complex down okay. in Florida, and they're 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 talking about if if you have a child. You can bring the child into the bubble, and if you've been in the league, you know they're going to give like a seniority thing. Like if you've been in the league for five years and you're married and you want to bring your husband, that's okay. But if you're a 22 year old rookie, no, you probably don't need to bring your boyfriend that you've been dating for two months. <laughs> so there's some compromises that need to be made, and I think they're pretty reasonable. And you know, I especially think that so 22 teams are going down. They're going to play the eight games before the playoffs start. So you're going to immediately lose like five teams there. So now you're down to, well, you'd lose six teams. So now you're down to 16 teams in like two weeks. Then you're going to play the first round, and then after the first round, you're already down to eight teams. So, I mean, you're going to start eliminating people really quick, and there's going to be, you know, if the Bucks play Orlando in the first round, they're going to play four or five games. They're going to win the series. Orlando's going to go home. So... As I think as it went on, which ain't far, which ain't far, <laughs> but I think as it went on, you know, if you as, as you advance, I would allow more people, maybe family members to come in. You know, if you want to start out, Giannis's girlfriend and his kid can come down initially. Great. If they win the first round, now maybe his mom can come down. And then if they get to the finals and his brothers want to come, I think that's OK. But. I understand the apprehension of just allowing everybody to bring all these people because, as with anything else, the rule would get abused, and you'd have a bunch of people bringing their hanger-ons who really don't bring anything to the table and need to be there. So, um, But the, the Kyrie Irving part of this is something else. Um, he came out last week after all of the, uh, the protesting and basically said he didn't think that they should – the NBA should come back. He thought that it would be a distraction from the social movements that are going on if they were playing games, and he thought that their time would be better served in somehow serving their community. 
He's had some support from a few players, like you said. It's not been a majority. Uh, Dwight Howard was one of the vocal people that came out, which the problem in, right off the bat is, um, and a lot of people have said this, the, it's the wrong messengers. The message isn't necessarily wrong, but the messengers are wrong. Um, you've probably got two of the most unlikable people in the NBA and Irving and Howard who are talking about this. Um, Kyrie Irving obviously isn't even going to play. There's a conspiracy theory I heard. This is interesting. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, one of his former teammates, actually said that a couple of weeks ago when the NBA, when they agreed to the bubble, Kyrie Irving was on the call and he had a couple of questions. And one of them was something to the effect of like, what are the sponsors of the league? What are they going to be providing us when we're there? And I think he somebody said, well, what do you mean by that? And his comment was, are, are, is there going to be whatever flavor of champagne, booze, whatever is sponsored by the sponsors of the NBA? Yes. Is there going to be booze there? And people were like, well, I don't know, I guess. It's like, that's the question you're asking. And he's like, well, I'm just using that as an example. And then he was one of the people that wanted, because he's not playing, he still wanted to go and support his team, which, you know, noble, I guess, PR more likely. Mm-hmm. He was told no. And the reason why is for the same reason they don't want to let people's family in. The more people there, yeah. the more risk of people getting sick. You're not essential. Well, that pissed him off. And one of the theories is is that this is him getting back at whoever is making these decisions. So he's just being a troublemaker. He's being the petulant little brat that he is. Um, he's part of this generation of guys that from the time they were 10, they've been pampered as athletes, as basketball players. They've never been told no. They were given things to go to college. They were there for 10 minutes. Then they went pro. Then they go to a team and are paid a bunch of money and have their ass kissed. So when a guy like Kyrie Irving is getting told no, well, what does that mean? I don't. I'm. I'm not familiar with that word. And they pout, mm-hmm. you know. And that's where you get some of these people, some of the older black athletes and media members like Wilbon and Barkley have been two of the most vocal that have said this is nuts. You don't give up the people worked for decades to allow you to have this platform right. and make this kind of money. You don't walk away from that. You use that, and. uh I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, they're still going to play. Um, it sounds like, I think, re- whatever happens, there's going to be an asterisk on this season now at this point. Well, it, has, it has to be. Has to. Because there's going to be teams that some guys don't come back. I really believe that. There are going to be um, a guy on the Clippers might not come back that could affect the outcome of one of their series. Um, it's unfortunate it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to see these guys get back to playing. Um, and and I think everybody f- for just our own mental health needs some form of a distraction. Um, even if it's sitting down for an hour and a half watching a basketball game, I think everybody in this country would kind of welcome that. I think there's no question. Um, and it's just like golf, and it's probably the NHL, not necessarily like NASCAR. I think you'll get in a lot of fans that aren't necessarily big, hardcore diehards. I mean, like, I lose track of the episodes and, and what we talk about, but the thing that baseball had an opportunity to do was a good thing PR-wise and possibly potentially earn some fans or get back, and I think now because the NBA is going to come back and you've got this system, and I think 
one, the general basketball fans and the NBA fans are just going to come back. Two, I think people are just going to be curious about how it's set up mm-hmm. and, you know, the how everything is structured, and they're just going to tune in to see the system and how it's been working, and then they might stay a little bit longer, and then you'll just get people who are just thrilled to have any extra sport back that they'll watch. So, I mean, you're going to get fans back by this if you come back, and I think that's one thing that the NBA would be glad to have, and I think one thing that baseball is really keenly missing out on. I think if baseball announced tonight that they had solved everything and then they were going to play, I think they would. Uh, I think that it's too late. Really? I do. There wouldn't be a hallelujah, no. hands up, and no. thank God, let's go? I think there's such a bad taste in people's mouths from all of this that's gone on. It's just really hard to, I think it's just hard for the average guy to sit back who's struggling right now that that works an hourly position to sit there and watch these billionaires fighting with millionaires. Well, it's I, very hard to stomach And that. I think that's why you had a lot of the people at the strike at the time say, fuck you. Yes. I'm not, I, you know, you're you're pissing and moaning over this stuff while I'm trying to feed my family, mm-hmm. and you expect me to pay these prices to come to your game park, buy the shit, and keep my because you know it's a good family activity, and I want my kid to grow up loving baseball. I can't afford you guys anymore. Yeah, and now I think you're going to get a little bit of resurgence where, where that's concerned because you got a lot of people that haven't been working, right? That don't have any money, and you know you're lucky you're not going to be in stadiums asking fans to buy tickets. Because I think if you pull this shit and then they come back, a lot of them be like, I ain't paying that. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can afford to come to a game. No way. So right. I think the NBA is lucky that it is just a, just a, a small sliver of, of players. Because if it was any more of a majority, I think you'd have not necessarily a situation like Major League Baseball because because the pissing match has gone back and forth so much. But I think you'd get the, the, another collective fan base going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Come on, we had this. They said they're going to play. Now it's up in the air. Come, it, Like, now it seems to be more of the, like, just just go away. Just, we want to play. Yep. Quit causing problems. We got this figured out. We'll answer your stupid-ass questions, and we'll go play. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of to the point where it's like, yeah, I mean, I was there a couple of weeks ago. Like, just, I don't really want to hear the details right. anymore. Just tell me when the first game is. Right. And I'm pretty confident that the NBA is going to play because uh, at the end of the day, the, the players would lose so much money if they didn't come back. And the owners could inv- invoke their force majeure clause in the collective bargaining agreement, which basically means they can tear it up because the uh, the players are unable to fulfill the terms of the deal. And that would be disastrous for the players. Um, it would affect the cap going forward. Right now, there's a 50-50 revenue split. I think the owners would say, uh, well, I mean, why are we giving you 50% if at a whim you guys can say, fuck it, we ain't playing. Mm-hmm. We're taking more risk because we're putting our business out there. You're just the employee. You don't really have a lot of risk, so we should get more money. That obviously would turn very ugly. So um, I think they're going to get it done. The NBA has been very proactive with the social things over the last several years, kind of starting with the Donald Sterling thing, and then you had the Trayvon Martin thing, and you've had a couple other things in between, and now you've got this. So I fully expect whatever these players are clamoring that they want the NBA to do in terms of, you know, whether it's uh, uh, after the game, 
um, on NBA TV, the press conference, instead of it being like LeBron goes out and the guy from Sports Illustrated is talking, maybe LeBron goes and sits with Spike Lee and some activist and they talk about whatever they want to talk about. And if you want to watch that, you can flip over to NBA TV after the game and you can watch that. Whatever it is. I think the NBA is going to be accommodating because that league more than the other two, the stars are so powerful and they hold so much weight. And these owners, you know, if you've got a star on your team, you don't want to piss them off because these guys have no problem with leaving. No. So we'll see. Well, we haven't painted a a very pretty picture, and I know that you and I have been texting um, this week and and just in light of the whole baseball thing, but, I mean, you've got – you know, you've got NCAA football, which now has its share of stuff. You've got the strength and conditioning coach at Iowa who basically got run out of town. Um, the Mike Gundy thing that has come up with him wearing the own shirt, and he, he, had, an, he had an apology video today, which uh, some of the people who are very active in... I think that was ridiculous. That's, well... I, mean, I think that Not was the ridiculous. one with the player. He did one by himself. Did, did No, 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 I'm talking about that whole... <sighs> Oh. That whole reaction to that, to me, that is that is one of those kind of things that sets everything back to me. Because for people that don't know, Mike Gundy is the coach of Oklahoma State. I know nothing about him other than that one time I'm a man, screamed, I'm, 40. I'm a man, I'm 40. They're an okay program. He went fishing with a couple of kids who I'm assuming were his or maybe his nephews or something. And he wore a T-shirt. It said OAN on it, which I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. Is apparently a right, uh, a quote unquote right wing news organization, mm-hmm. right? And he took a picture of it, or somebody took a picture of him by all the fish that they caught, and they put it online. And his star running back flipped out because apparently wearing an old T shirt with three letters on it when you're fishing is racist. You've got to be kidding me. Those are the kind of overreactions, though, that, that set back your cause and what you're trying to accomplish because that, that, that's dumb. And if you had a problem with that as a kid and your first notion is to go to social media, you're wrong. You should have went to your coach. Probably true. Because Probably true. You know, you, you, the player, you created the firestorm. Mike Gundy did not. You created it by going and putting it public when you could have just went to your coach and said, hey, man, I'm uncomfortable. Why are you wearing that shirt? I'm uncomfortable with that. And Gundy might have said, I don't know, man. I was going fishing. I just pulled out the dirtiest shirt I had at the bottom of the drawer, and I wore it. I didn't somebody think, gave it to uh, me for gave free. It, I didn't think twice about right. it. It could be very, very innocent. I don't we, know we the backstory. We can't overreact to every single thing that everybody does or, or you don't accomplish anything on face value and, and again th- this is political because that's what it's about and and it's 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 all about racial justice and I watched some of the videos that have been posted about the the, the anchors and what they're saying about the Black Lives Matter movement and the anger that is felt by the running back and probably a lot of other people where the shirt is concerned perfectly justified you are correct in the fact that you don't need to go splash this and make it, you know, because you're right. It's not going to help. If you go behind the scenes and be like, Coach, not cool, man. Right. I'm uncomfortable with this yes. because this is what that represents. Did you know that? Right. Then if the coach says, yeah, I did know that and I'm a big supporter. Then now, you, now you can have an issue with it. Then you might have a big problem. Yes. 
Yes. Like the guy at Iowa, I saw something. One of the one of the former players came out and said when they would be doing pregame warm-ups, he would walk by and step on their fingers. Like, okay, that needs to be public. That's that's like, what are you doing? Right. Like, that's intentionally being an asshole. You're trying to break my finger before yes. a game? You're intentionally being an asshole. That needs to be called out. But I don't know, man. And, look, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know Mike Gundy. I have not followed his career. Maybe he's had other issues with these guys that we're not privy to. I don't know. But from the outside looking in, when I saw that, I thought, man, really? Why? 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 Why make a big deal out of that when you could go to this man who you obviously have a reasonably good relationship with because you're there playing for him and tell him how you feel about it without turning it into this national story. And now you've got people on TV calling for Mike Gunny to get fired. It's like, he wore a shirt fishing. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So there's that. I'm glad nobody goes through my drawers. Right. Well, I'm glad nobody. Yes. Okay. We'll leave that. Um, But, You've got the NCAA football that's now in there. We just talked about all the others. Nobody's having any fun. No. Sports suck. This is not fun. And it's horrible to be somebody who's trying to get things to talk about in this industry on a daily basis and coming up with a bunch of crap. Well, every Everything that's reported anymore that is not involved with the actual playing of the game, everything is negative. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yep. The NCAA is corrupt. They they they're they're thieves, they're 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 modern day slave owners, whatever they are called. The NFL, well they don't do enough to protect domestic violence and they didn't do enough for the Ray Rice thing and they didn't do enough with Antonio Brown and they've screwed up the Kaepernick thing. Negative, negative, negative. All this stuff we just talked about with baseball. Negative, negative, negative. Basketball. Now Kyrie Irving's coming out. and tr- When everything in the NBA seemed pretty positive, he's now kind of dragging this black cloud into the conversation, unfortunately. So I said to my dad today, man, I, I'm glad I'm not 11. You wouldn't was, be looking up to any of these guys. Well, I couldn't play Little League. I probably couldn't play on my traveling basketball team. I couldn't go to any basketball camps. I'm probably not going to have any college football. I ain't got no baseball to watch. I can bear. I can hang out with like one friend. We can't go out and we can't go get a pickup baseball or basketball game going because everybody's afraid you're going to get a disease and die. What the hell is there to be excited about when it comes to sports right now? That's why again, baseball. What are you doing? I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody. Well, baseball is the there. The, I mean, the documentary series continued with the with the long with the summer of whatever it was. Summer ninety eight or the, the long, long gone ball. summer. Yeah. yeah, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuinn. Did you watch I on did. Sunday? I did. And I thought I, it was pretty. I thought it was good. It I wasn't great. I didn't get a chance to watch. I, I saw a lot of people poking holes in it. Of course. Well, again, negative. That's what like we if, do. Uh, right. Really, if people. Oh, Michael Jordan lied. And I don't give a shit. Watch the stuff when he played. <laughs> Give me a break. But I thought it was fun. I thought yeah. it was fun to watch. You know, like, I'd kind of forgotten Sosa hit 20 homers in June. Uh, but I was thinking, like, man, 98. Uh, you had Elway winning, what, his first Super Bowl over the pack. Was that 97 or 98? That was, was like the. It was 97. Okay, yeah. well, then he won his back-to-back. Oh, right, yeah. Then you have 
Jordan wins his sixth title, second three-peat. Then you have the Sosa Maguire chase, and you can even throw Griffey in there. And then the other thing and I had kind of forgotten about was the 98 Yankees, they won 114 games. God. They went, let me see, they went 11-2, and two, including a sweep in the World Series in the playoffs. So they won 100. They won 125 and 50. It's probably the best baseball team in the last, probably since like the mid 70s Reds or A's. So what, 50, almost 50 years? That was all in one summer. And look at where we are now. Uh, complete, it's unbelievable. At complete opposite end like, of the spectrum. How much fun! I just thought back to that, and it's like I hate the Cubs. We all know this, and. We hate the Cardinals. I mean, you couldn't pick two, two teams, teams. <laughs> that we hated more right. to follow at the time. And and I had no problem with McGuire. I never really cared for Sosa and his, his antics. I thought he was kind of a clown. But that home run chase was riveting. It was. And you had Griffey was hanging around for a while. For a while. And he was the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. So that made it even more fun. Did they didn't you, even show the home run derby stuff. Did you go to any any games that the Brewers had against either Chicago or St. Louis. I can't that really year. remember. I went to one Cardinals game, and McGuire hit two. Okay. He hit two, and and the second one was a fucking laser beam. Like like when he broke the record that it just was a piss missile mm-hmm. that just went over the wall, and yeah. nobody was like, oh, I guess it went out. You know, that was one of those where it was like, God damn, glad nobody got in the, in front of that. that and, and that was cool. Because I wasn't a Brewer fan that night. I was a Mark McGuire fan. Sure, sure. I want to see him go deep. Well, and they showed when they went to Miami, when they went to Florida to play the Marlins. Marlin, nobody ever went to Marlin games. No. Cardinals sold it out, and McGuire was hitting bombs, and people were losing their shit, and they weren't Cardinal fans. <laughs> but I do remember in college, so this would have been probably like oh two oh three, so a couple years later, I remember going to a Brewer Cub game, and uh, sitting out in the bleachers. We went for batting practice. And I remember watching Sosa take batting practice, and then later we would come to find out that he corked his bat. So that that plus his likely steroid use helped this. But he hit some balls in batting practice that were insane. I don't know at the old the old score scoreboard at Miller Park when it first opened. On the left hand side of the scoreboard mm-hmm. was a Pepsi sign. Yes, it was a Pepsi logo. And the P was at the bottom and the I was at the top. And it was spelled sideways going vertical. Dude was dotting the I. (laughs) He hit two that dotted the I. And, I mean, you're talking about 500-plus feet, and it was not on its downward trajectory. It was still on that, like you said, the McGuire one. Mm -hmm. It was on that flat plane where it ain't going up and it ain't going down. It's just going. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there seeing that, and I was with my buddy Vanderheim. We were like, holy shit. This is the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen, and this was four or five years after the home run race. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of fun to reminisce and see that stuff. I mean, thank God for these old documentaries about the good old days because the the last several years have just not been that enjoyable to be a sports fan. Not particularly. I mean, it's been fun that the Packers, for you, have been oh, yeah. competitive yep, and the absolutely. Brewers have made the playoffs and the Bucks are in the mix, but, like, it's just a general fan of the games. Ugh. <laughs> do you want to touch on some high school stuff, or do you want to? Yeah. What, do you want to? Or do, or do you want to go time. to the? We got or, time. Do you want to end? Which Which one do you want to? Do end the high with? school stuff. Give All your right. Give your little spiel on well, it. Well, it's 
and and I texted you as soon as I saw something because we've got something. I we don't know right now, like anything else, whether fall sports at the high school level are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be really, really dismayed if the longest season that I have to do basketball season is the one I wind up doing without anything else in between when we finally get back to it. Mm-hmm. I would like to do some football. I'd like to go see some other stadiums. Janesville Craig, Janesville Parker are supposed to go to the Badger Large this year because of the new realignment so that every conference has the same amount of teams and that way making the playoffs is all even keel chances uh, across all the, all the whole state for all the divisions. And they just did this, and it's football only. Craig Parker's still in the Big 8 for all the other sports, whether that remains to be seen or not, whatever. Now you get Sun Prairie coming in that's going to build another palace of a high school, and they're going to split into Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West. And they came out with a proposal yesterday on Monday that said, we propose that in football only, when the school opens in 2022, both Sun Prairie schools leave because of the enrollment numbers and join the Badger Large, which Craig and Parker are in for the next two years. Cougars and Vikings go back to the Big 8, they boot Beloit Memorial to the Southern Lakes and then set off a domino effect mm-hmm. of other stuff, which includes Delvin Darianne getting out of there, which they wanted to do, um, and then somebody else going somewhere. And it's 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 a giant domino effect. And Schmoll brought it up on his commentary today, and it's something that you had talked about as well when you and I were texting. You don't know who belongs where anymore. It's turning into the NCAA. And your rivalries that you've built up. I mean, Craig has lost a Beloit Memorial football rivalry that's been, I don't know how many decades, and they wanted to continue it, and Beloit said, no, we're good, because they would have had to do it in non-conference this year. They're going to play Parker, but they have no interest in playing Craig. Which is weird. I mean, mean, maybe they think they could beat Parker, but... But that's a little soul-crushing to me because it's like you had this history. Now, because you want an even playing field, you've lost that rivalry. You're probably never going to get it back. Right. If Beloit Memorial, if this thing happens and it's just a proposal, Beloit's going to leave and they'll still have to be a non-conference opponent. So I, I, I don't know. It, you know, it's one of those things where I wish teams would be in a particular conference for all sports so that you could get established and you could figure out who's playing who when and why, and, I mean, Craig and Parker would have a great opportunity to have a friendly rivalry with a town that's five miles away mm-hmm. in Milton. That's your kind of consolation prize right now for losing Beloit. Yes, correct. And now you're going to put him back there and take Beloit away, which means you've got all the Madison schools, Verona, Middleton, and Craig and Parker. What is that if that goes through? It's strange. I was really surprised to see that Sun Prairie would volunteer to leave the Big 8 and go into the Badger Large because uh, the Badger Large is probably a better football conference. Or at least it's at least as good. You can swap out the top teams just as equally. Yeah, right? I mean, in DeForest, Wanakee. Watertown's going to be good. I mean, you've got some, some pretty good teams in there at the top. So I don't know. Usually you don't volunteer that kind of thing unless right. you think you're going to gain something by it and have an advantage. I th- I don't know. I, I just thought that that was very interesting that Sun Prairie would volunteer to do that. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've you and I have talked about this many times. I think Craig Parker and Beloit's days in the Big 8 overall are numbered. I think the clock's ticking. I think eventually the Big 8 will be a Madison conference. Well, you brought up the idea 
was last year or the year before is that you should make it the Madison Metro Conference. Yeah. Want a key for whatever size they may be, they're competitive in yes. everything. Yep. You can get them in and not lose a thing. Right. You have the you have the four Madison City schools, you get the Tucson Prairies, you get Middleton, Middleton. Verona, Wanakee, and maybe one other school. Maybe you get a DeForest or or uh, Monona Grove or whatever. And then you, there's your there's your ten team league, and then Craig Parker, Beloit, Milton, maybe they can do some some of these Badger schools yep. or whatever. Um I think Beloit leaving the Big A is probably for the best. They just don't seem to have a lot of interest in trying to be competitive down there, um, which it's so bizarre because Beloit, the city of Beloit, is really um, progressive and has done a lot of nice things. Beloit, Very. downtown Beloit, is great. Yep. They've really turned that city around in the last ten, fifteen years. But their their athletic programs at the high school level have completely gone in the tank. I mean, when we were growing up, Beloit was always good at basketball. Mm-hmm. They were really good at track. They were tough in football. They were they, they, were, they were competitive at least in football. They weren't very. They were, didn't have to be good, but they were tough. Yeah, but I mean, they were like they had state champions in track. They had track teams when we were in high school that were freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see them be the doormat now along with Parker, it's like, oh, man. Well, and I just think the WIA may want to reexamine the fact that maybe enrollment is not the end-all, be-all organizational tool that you think it is. I just don't know what you could substitute instead. I, I don't either, but it's just not indicative of talent it's not. A- anymore. It's not. Or athletes going out because you've got these smaller schools, and you see it basically when you get to the di- the, the division championships in football you get a powerhouse that somebody in division five that could probably compete in division two mm-hmm. and whoever they play they just absolutely steamroll they just decide like edgar will just decide we're just going to be a football community we don't really give a shit about baseball we're not even going to have a baseball team right but we're just going to play football and, and they dominate. And we're going to be good at it. Right. Right. I mean, Waukesha Catholic Memorial, a Waukesha private school. I think they're in Division Four, and they get – I think they were maybe a Division Three, and then they got put down to Division Four, and they just decimated everybody. Yeah. They just, just killed just, everybody. Just because they don't have a large enrollment. Right. But they have all of the good athletes in Waukesha whose parents have money send their kids to Waukesha Catholic. Wanakee's the same way. I mean, sometimes they're in Division One, sometimes they're in Division Two. but it's like you can compete mm-hmm. with all those schools. You can punch above your ranking. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's like right now, Craig and Parker, even though they have giant enrollments, That's... they're not. they ain't punching with the rankings. No. They're not. No. So I, I, I just maybe think you need to – take it on a case-by-case basis that enrollment doesn't necessarily translate to athletic success. Yeah. I, and, and, and you're right. I don't know what, uh, what else you choose. I don't know either because there ha- you know, <laughs> well, there's got to be it. some kind of a parameter. But, yeah, I just I don't know what it would be. No, me neither. All right. So let's wrap up today with something that hopefully sh- fun. Should, should be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the notes earlier. This is a tough choice for me because it also involves a highly successful player that's somebody that also drove me absolutely mad. Well, yes. So I had, I had read something the other day or heard something. Somebody was talking about their most frustrating athlete that they rooted for. And I thought, well, that would be kind of fun mm-hmm. to do at the end of the show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it can be it can be a... It can be a really good player who drives you nuts. It can be somebody who you think should be better that drives you nuts. It can be somebody that can't stay healthy. Whatever, whatever frustrates you. Um, so, uh, what do you got? Give me, give me a couple that. Baseball's you got. one of those guys that 
that I really hoped for more was Ricky Weeks. Yep, I had him on my list. I mean, and he, he had everything that you thought you needed and just couldn't pull it together. Uh, another guy that had all the tools except when he was at the plate that I, I, I loved the fact that he was there defensively, but when I saw him at the plate, I just started to cry was Keon Broxton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, and, I, and our buddy Joe, who I talked to sometimes about Keon, well, oh, he's really good in the minors and he's doing yeah. this, but then when he'd get up to the big leagues, it'd just be whiff after whiff after whiff. And the football player, if you grew up being a Packer fan when I did, the guy who you revered, God bless you, you took us to the Holy Land, but would just absolutely want you, you'd want to jump out a window when he'd kill you with an interception was Brett Favre. Yeah. Yeah. A great guy to cheer for, but yet would drive you absolutely fucking nuts with some something stupid that he would do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's more he's just as likely to win, yeah, as he would to cost you the game late. But those are my those are my few that just I could think of off the top of my head. Okay, I I thought yeah I thought I might get like a uh, thought I might get a Jeff Janis in there, you know somebody <laughs> guy, where guy that should you know, should have been a lot, but well right you know like uh like uh, uh Jimmy Graham, well you know something like that. We're like what the what are you doing? Why why are you not better? You're you're the best athlete on the field. Why are you not better? I don't get it. For me, I had two baseball ones that, that popped out. One was Ricky Weeks. The other one was Sheets. Um, such a such a good pitcher. But the injuries and, God, him getting hurt in 08, man, at the end of the year when they had CeCe and him at the top of that rotation. Oh, it's it's one of those. It, it's, it's the Raleigh Fingers injury in 82 for, for our generation. Like, if Sheets is healthy oh. and they don't have to pitch Sabathia every other day, I I think I might have a, a World Series pennant hanging in my basement down here. Um, basketball, that was this one was a little bit tougher. I I think I'd throw Bogut in there, um, sure. just because you know he was the number one pick, and he never really lived up to that. He was Not a really. he was a good player. He yeah. made an All NBA team, but he was hurt all, all the, the time. time. And he was another one again. You know when he had that. Catastrophic oh, arm injury. God. They were. Ro- I mean, they weren't going to win the title, but they were rolling. They were really playing well going into the playoffs. He was having a career year, and then after that, he just really never came back with the box. They end up trading him to the Warriors. Um, the other guy is a current player. <sighs> it's fucking Bledsoe, man. Like <laughs> that guy is so talented, and there are nights when like he is unguardable. But then, like, there's other times, like, in that Boston series a couple years ago, it was like, who, what are you doing? How are you getting roasted by a backup 22-year-old? Like, you're a borderline all-star and you're getting your ass kicked. But the number one is a complete no-brainer. It's Cutler. Mm-hmm. It's Jay Cutler. Yes. You don't even have to be a Bear fan. No. For that guy to be the most frustrating player you've ever seen. Because you saw all the tools were there. It was just between the ears was not there at all. <laughs> and the attitude was poor. The body language was shit. Yep. Um, the, the work ethic and the mentality was lacking. But the physical traits were all there. And he was a guy, I remember when they traded for him, I was excited because, you know, at the it, the Bears are, you're, you know, I'm growing up with Jim Miller, right. Cade McNown, yep. Orton, Grossman. Um, so to get a, bo- a Pro Bowl caliber 
top ten pick in Cutler. I was, was very exciting. As a Packer fan, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you, I mean, you had to have been like, okay, well, the Bears are going to be competitive now for right. a while. Yes. Then it got to the point where it's like, I can't wait to play yeah. Jay Cutler. How, yeah. many, how many picks can we have? Just, uh, yeah. you know, he, he's, he was one of those guys. He was Favre-like in a way where, like, he would do three. He would have three plays on a drive where you're like, Jesus Christ. And then he'd throw a pick at the goal line. And you'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> I am going to break my TV. And he had an absolute and then he cannon did, for and an he arm. And he would throw the pick, and he'd just kind of go, eh, yeah, whatever. whatever. And then you'd show up on the sideline and be like. And you'd go over and have a cigarette. Jay Cutler. Smoking Jay. Smoking Jay. <laughs> good riddance. Yeah, no, that's that, good that's that's a good thing to, uh, that's that's a good one. Most frustrating. I like Jeremy Burnett's back in the day. He was kind of one of my guys. You know, he was in the home run derby one year, but. He just like Jeff Jenkins just struck out a lot. I'll tell you another one, man. Bill Hall too. Oh yeah, man. Because Billy was talented, man. He put it together a couple of years, but then he had those years where he was like oh, hitting two ten. It was bad. It's like Jesus, yeah. man. You know, he's, but and he was one of those guys that you wanted to see succeed because he to. seemed like he such a good, good dude. dude. Like when he hit that home run on Mother's yes, Day and all that. Like right. It was, it was great, but yeah, I got to the point where it's like him and Casey McGee. It's like just get rid of these guys. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Even my boy Weeks, man, like I uh, loved Ricky. Yeah, Weeks. but time it was time. But it was like, yep, I can't. Corey Hart. I, I, I can't watch way. Predator walk back to the dugout every day when he's oh 0 for four with two Ks. One of them looking in the first inning because he won't swing the damn bat. Predator, that's great. That is a good place to wrap the intentional foul for this week. Thank you for listening, lasting through over an hour, downloading. I don't, and know, I don't know how we got to an I hour. Me neither. And we ask that you please tell your friends, help spread the word about the intentional foul. So I don't know. Are we going to have better things to talk about next week? Yes, no. If not, we'll just do a Survivor Series recap. I can't wait to see what's on <laughs> FS1 next week. Excellent. All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. Appreciate it. My name is Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you next time. Go sports someday. Please go sports. Bring it back.